Welcome back, y'all, to episode 118 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we are 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to inform as well as entertain. The goal is to maintain it within a 15 to 20 minute time period, giving you the information necessary to understand the topic or understand what I'm thinking about. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Alright, so i kind of been playing around with the um, new soundboard I have from Mono. It's pretty incredible, really. I bought it for about $100. There's a lot of capabilities for it. Um, and I've just been kind of playing with the different sound effects that you can have. You can even have different voices. Which in itself seems kind of strange. And you can have a But anyways, just kind of playing with the different features, getting into those different things. But kind of hopping into the show today, I finally have broke down and started doing a little bit of research into the Idaho um, Moscow case where you have the four college students being murdered um, and everything that took place within it. But first... Before I get into it, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are following the the details of this case. I can give you an overview, but what's really interesting is how this case has captivated a lot of the country. And doing a little bit of preliminary research um, and even looking online, looking at places like TikTok, you're really getting a lot of different um, theories, thoughts analysis of the case what potentially could have happened and you're getting the breaking information and it's almost crazy because you know tiktok really got big during the pandemic when people were at home a lot more and they're interfacing with their phones a lot more and the content kind of worked because whenever tiktok came out you didn't really know what to expect from and a lot of people a lot of kids were using it for dancing and it was kind of like i remember i was at work and some this dude who is actually um, now he's, you know, he's a pretty big TikToker. He's pretty consistent with what he provides. He's like, hey, I got on this thing and it's like, you get a lot of views. It's crazy. So that was around 2019, but I really think it took off around 2020. And this case has now inundated my algorithm. And you have a lot of conversations, a lot of different thoughts of what's going on with this case. So to me, I'm just going to play this little overview real quick most likely not a convicted felon because he's not popping up on Avis or CODIS. That's telling me a lot about who this is. In surveillance video that Madison and Kaylee are in, their ride can actually be seen. So I don't think anybody's mentioned this in the Idaho murder case, uh, their ride to the food carts. You can see the car right there. And if you watch the whole video, you see the taillights. So we're starting to see investigators focus on the backyard, the back patio. There's a, a door right here at the back side of the house. It's on the second story, and investigators are, are putting down evidence markers. New news. This is December 4th. It's 12 a.m. when I'm reporting this. 
because I'm not sleeping still. This just came from a reporter whom I follow. There were FBI or local authorities, we cannot confirm, who showed up on foot. To what the police aren't telling us is that they probably know who the murderer is and they've probably known since day one or two of the investigation. The autopsy report for the four Idaho college students murdered is back. In the corner, saying that after working 16 years with multiple murders. We're learning now that just after three in the morning, police got a call about a disturbance outside a frat house. Just Kaylee, two months ago, complained about a stalker. If the killer used the code to the keypad rather than using the back door, it's like the roommates woke up went upstairs to the kitchen. Breaking news in the case of the four University of Idaho student. The father of Kaylee Gonzalez done an interview tonight and he- I mean, that's kind of, so what I did there is normally I'll just do like one TikTok and, and just do one review of it, but I put a lot of different TikToks in there just to show you how this case has really captivated a lot of people's time and energy. And, you know, I'm not like, I'm really surprised about how we're getting this different transmission point of, you know, number one, obviously the United States has always had this love affair with murders. There's always this whole curiosity thing, you know, putting it into a story, you know, some people calling it a mystery. You know, I've even seen people on YouTube channels who that's all they do right now is they're in Moscow, Idaho, and they are shooting content around the clock. Um, and then you have different people putting together different timelines based on people they're following and kind of tracking this whole thing. And it's pretty remarkable that so many people are engaged with it. Um, obviously, it's it's a horrible tragedy, but it's like you're getting breaking information. And some things that really stick out about the case, I think, is the parents released a video kind of talking about how they're fed up with the, the, um, the police force. There's no leadership. And they just need people to step up. And I think that's understandable from a family. I mean, what's tragic is these this whole thing happened before the week before Thanksgiving. And as we're starting as we're starting to get through the case, you know, there's gonna be more issues like this. I'm sure the parents are already impatient. I mean, I it's understandable, you know. Um, but a lot of this stuff moves really, really slow. You know, and a lot of times, you know, cases are solved, but one of the interesting theories that, that is kind of coming up or the thought process is the person who com potentially committed this crime is from is, is more than likely a male and it's more likely a young male and from the case it looks like it was potentially sloppy. Now, we don't know how this case is being categorized. In a lot of ways when something like this happens there's two categories which is organized and disorganized meaning usually the disorganized is caused um, from an impulse or somebody kind of wanting to do it but not really having the means to do it when they're younger you know organized as someone who's done this multiple times they're meticulous and they understand what to do and what not to do um you know the details with the parents you know one of the parents is even saying that um the a few of their like the daughters can't be compared about how they were killed so there's inconsistencies but i mean i guess the real story to me is just how is captivating people's minds and how they are really going through and giving an analysis and one guy who's even an ex-cop was saying that more than likely you know they have the dna of this killer because it was done with the knife and 
you know, whenever these things like this happen, usually a killer, if you're using a knife, you kind of have adrenaline take over. More than likely, you can cut yourself and bleed or bleed at sight. And this, this analyzes some DNA. But, you know, the person who the, did this, maybe there's no DNA within the system. So it's not ringing up or it's, there's nothing being ran by it. Um, so whenever they're running it through these multiple databases, they're not really getting what they thought they would be getting. So that's kind of one of the issues. Another one of the issues is it's still an active crime scene. They're still putting together evidence. They're still trying to process everything the best way they can. And obviously, you know, from Thanksgiving to Christmas isn't probably the best time to work if you are a detective. You know, there's a lot of stuff you have to do, a lot of paperwork. And with the media taking over this case, you're seeing more and more people be there. I mean, I've watched four to five different YouTube videos, news videos, and they actually walk the same walk from the um, from the frat house to the home because, you know, one of the couples was there at the frat house and they, and excuse me, I didn't, you know, I, I really, the, the story for me with this was more about how everyone's covering it, <laughs> not necessarily the actual case. And I think, because to me, it's like crazy. I watched one YouTube video where a woman went to the place at night with her friends. They looked around everything. And because it's an active crime scene, they keep everything the way it was. And she deducted that there's like a cinder block with a pillow on it. But someone climbed through the window through that cinder block. And that's how they got in because there's no forced entry within the building. Other people are saying that someone must have known the keypad because to open it, then you have multiple timelines for what happened because the two girls um, actually went to a food truck and they, you know, you have you have TikTok videos of people trying to identify the lights behind the people to identify if it's a Mustang, what year, what make and model and, and different things like that. So when I see it, I'm like, wow, you know, it's like the first thing I thought is like, man, if you could compile everyone's thoughts into some type of database or analysis of what it is and it generated a report that'd be pretty incredible like to be able to crowdsource analysis would be a new type of thought in the world where we're like all right if everyone has these thoughts let's do a crowdsource and try to understand what's going on that's one level the next level is we don't know all the information i mean people right now are completely building this base from the outside in from where we're standing on confirmation bias and I used to work for a CIA um, analyst who's in the CIA for 20 or 30 years, and now he has his own private firm. And that's where I actually wrote a case study. And in this case study, we talked about different analysis components, and he did one on John Benny Ramsey and kind of the different the different people who could have been involved in this case. And the murder for that has never been came brought to justice, and that happened in Boulder. That's still an open investigation. So. You know, and that, that's over 25 years ago. So with this being a lot more high profile, they're going to need to bring someone in because it's just generating more. But knowing the information on the inside, so how well the, and I'm sure they're doing the best job that they possibly can, how well law enforcement is categorizing and understanding what's on the inside, what they're seeing, what they're experiencing. And we all know you can't release information to the media because then people could potentially say they're the killer and have different details and go from there and dilute the case. So it has to be like kept really, really tight. So you're kind of walking this fine line as an investigator. And I'm sure the FBI has been called in. And, you know, you wonder how much resources, you know, the Idaho police have. Um, Idaho, Moscow, police force there. 
for state troopers being called in and, and kind of investigating it. And there's multiple levels of it, you know. So, you know, and when in in all these components are kind of bringing together and they're still working it. And people being there and kind of observing it, in my opinion, isn't the best for the case. You know, all this information being put out there. I mean, you could too. I don't know. It's like if you have all this information from a data standpoint, um, you know, it seems like if the killer's still out there and they're watching all this information, there has to be something there. Because like if it is a young person, the young person's going to have knowledge of social media they're going to be looking at all the viewers they're going to be looking at all the content and that too is something to consider of how it works so um there's a lot of different levels to it so what it's just and i and i i i cannot like attest to knowing it but i think that's also the other story is like what isn't necessarily there what are what are other things going on and and how it can be provided and another thing that's kind of coming up is potentially the knife that was used is related to ROTC which ties back to campus and ROTC is a program that helps people get ready for the military within college so you have um you know that popping up but the likelihood too is they do think that they already have the killer but they can't match any DNA yet because DNA takes time and they're still running it they just sort through all the DNA in the building in the house there's there's four people this hideous murder scene there's going to be blood everywhere people have to go in there and try to figure out it and then figure out what is what and like like one of the videos I saw is like most from a um, investigator like this stuff doesn't happen overnight so I do think that this case requires a lot of time. I think that it's not something that's going to be solved within the next day or two. I mean, it could. Someone could come forth and say it or a, a video or something could happen. But by now, everybody in this town knows of this murder. So you have to really think about that. And everybody knows of the information that's being released. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are following it like like religiously. So... You know, I just want to give my two cents on it. Obviously, I wasn't trying to give analysis of the case, just kind of observing it and seeing my thoughts on it and going from there. But thank you guys all for listening, and we will talk with you tomorrow.